Hey guys, what's going on? Shane Barker here, just talking with Ryan in regards to the podcast of World of Speakers. Today we talked about influencer marketing and what to do to get on stage. You guys are going to love this episode. Talk soon. Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Ahoy, everyone. We are back with another World of Speakers episode. And today I am more gingerly happy than ever. Yes, gingerly happy is a real thing because it just came out of my mouth. We have Shane Barker. That is right. Shane Barker. He is not only a keynote speaker, he is a ginger, one of my favorite ginger friends who shares the stage across the world to talk about influence and to talk about how to connect the dots online so that you can find your influence, I guess, right? How's that? That's, I mean, I'll take it, man. I, I'm just gingerly happy to be here. <laughs> Excellent. Well, to start off the show, instead of going into your accolades and right into your advice, I always like to take a step back, story time, and find a story from your past that if that was the only thing I had to share with somebody, like, hey, you got to beat my buddy Shane this one time, dot, 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 what would that story be? I, and I have to tell you, Ryan, I appreciate the way that you're starting this thing off because we've went over accolades. I mean, we only have an hour, so it's probably better <laughs> that I tell a story about myself. It'll be a lot quicker. Totally. Yeah, we'll yeah. just get straight to the end. But I think, you know, it's funny. So I was kind of thinking about that in regards to a story. And this would probably be Shane 1.0. I, I'm Shane 2.0. I'll probably explain that a little later. Shane 1.0 was, uh, as a kid, I remember, this is a very vivid memory of mine. I remember camping. I was with my family. I live in, in California. And we went to Oregon. And I'll never forget, we were camping. And somebody had told me that, hey, like with the cans and stuff, like if you have cans, you collect cans, like they'll give you money. And I thought it was kind of, they were kind of kidding with me. And I, so I collected cans, like, you know, pretty much like homeless people do today, you know, but I right. did it with myself to make a little side cash because I was, you know, four years old. I mean, what else was I supposed to do? Who else was going to pay for diapers, you know? <laughs> so what I did is I literally went and started collecting cans and I went and i never forget, like I went up there and gave them to the people to get the cans. And I remember they gave me, I don't know what it was, like probably a dollar fifty or something. And it absolutely blew me away. And so my infatuation at that time, not quite as infatuated now, but my infatuation with money at that time when I was younger and growing up till probably when I was about 30, um, was pretty crazy. Like I would, I remember going like into 7-Elevens and like underneath the counters, like looking for change. Cause I was like, people are dropping money and they're just like letting it go. Like they don't really even care. And even better than that, I've, this is really funny, is I actually almost going to San Francisco, there's like pole booths, right? Like these toll booths that they have. And I, I almost jumped out of the car because somebody had dropped a few ones and they were flying. <laughs> and I really didn't get the point that you probably shouldn't jump out of a, a moving car to grab those $3. And my mom lost her marbles because I literally was trying to like open the door and she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm look at the money. Like there was like money flying by the car. And I, I know, I mean, I know for a fact I was pretty quick as a kid. I could have grabbed at least two to three of those dollars. And uh, my mom stopped me. So, I mean, shout out to my mom for saving my life. But I never did get that money, which is kind of the downside to the whole story. But that was definitely me in the beginning. And me in the beginning was, you know, I wanted to be a millionaire by, I think, I think I said 25. And I think maybe I coincided and said, hey, we'll go ahead and make it 30, which is a whole nother story. I'm not, I'm still money driven, but back in the day, that was definitely for me, that was like a, a big factor. I didn't realize how much I, you know, between lemonade stands and stuff like that and how much I was really into a making money and the idea of different ways of doing that. So it's always been kind of intriguing. 
Yeah, I think recycling is a great way to get going in the world. I remember we started the Earth Club. We had our VW van that we would go around to the different trash cans because we we made our own signs that said, please put your newspaper and recyclables to the side. And we're just, you know, obviously circumventing what people should be doing. And so we snatched up an entire van full of newspaper and then cans and we'd go down. And of course, we would take that and just count the money over and over. And then we'd send it to Greenpeace and it'd be like fun and positive and all that stuff. Good vibes all around. Anything in a VW bus is always usually good vibes. I mean, I I was raised by hippies. So, and I'm starting to wonder maybe if we have the same parents, which we should probably talk about that (laughs) outside of the show. But I was already said VW bug. I was like, oh Jesus, like (laughs) if it's a white VW bug and your parents were in the front seat, do anyways, we won't go into heavy detail what they're doing in the front seat, but they were hippies. Actually, this was a bus. So, which is also just a hippie. Oh, so you guys are. Yeah, we always had a family bus, a family van. See, that's, and it's so funny, like my, for me, like vans, like I, we used to have my, my parents had a Toyota, I think it's like a Previa or Previa, I don't know how you say it. And I had like, I love that van. Like we, and my, my dad actually did have a Volkswagen bus, but this was before we got the bug. I don't know why we, why I even sold it. But yeah, I've like anything Volkswagen for, you know, once again, being raised by hippies in California, it's like a, you know, it's an instant, the VW sign and everything is, is always been popular around the family. And you know what? Bug and bus, there's only one letter off. So it's very similar, very similar. That's what really threw me off. I mean, I'm not good at spelling, but I, I thought I was like right on. And then you said, no, this is a bus. And I was like, oh Jesus, that one letter got me again. <laughs> it happens. Now you're jumping out of cars, ginger quick to try to grab money on the ground. You're picking up stuff. You're looking where other people aren't. Do you think that that is what got you into this influencer space to try to find out where the money is that people maybe don't see? Because it's a relatively new phenomenon and essentially influencer marketing is picking up the change on the ground from people that maybe aren't necessarily seeing it. Is there a connection there? I don't know if you can tie that in any better, but listen, as a as a red ginger ninja, I do believe that, you know, when it comes to influencer marketing and and the fact of like getting people to be able to do something, right? I for me it was interesting, obviously finding change underneath the 7-Eleven, you know, little stand isn't necessarily getting people to do stuff, but I definitely realized that when it came to A, what I would wear and how I would look when I was doing the lemonade stands. I know this sounds probably pretty early. I was six or seven years old, but how I could get people to react to certain things, right? So I realized, and this is going to sound really funny, but like if I had a puppy with me or if I had another friend, another girlfriend of mine and we were holding hands, I mean, there was other things that I tried at a very early age to get people to like see if I could make more money from doing that. And it was weird because I, my family wasn't like really capitalistic. Like when we had things, but we were, we were probably a Hippie chic, you know? Yeah, hippie chic for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, we had a nice meetup bug, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> like, it wasn't like the neighbors that were losers. But yeah, I mean, for us, it was a, you know, we, we were like probably middle tier or whatever. But my point of saying that is like, for me, I was always intrigued about like what, how people reacted, like the kind of the psychology behind it. I didn't know what it was at the time, but like, how can I get people to buy more stuff and how can I upsell? So we, you know, did little things of lemonade and then we would upsell, hey, look, cookies or brownies or you know, whatever that was to get people to like, how can I get people to react? And for me, it was about the money, but it really was also about the fact of like how I could, I don't know, like how I could benefit from it. And then for me, it was like counting the money afterwards and how I could reinvest that money and do more. I mean, I actually, and I just thought about this story, I actually got in trouble in junior high school because I 
was selling candy bars and I was competing. I just remember this. I was competing yeah. with the local store and I got busted. Like I would go buy candy bars for whatever it was, three for a dollar, four for a dollar. I don't know what it was. And I would go and I would sell them for 50 cents or a dollar, depending on who it was. And I knew, you know, different people would pay different prices and I would go and sell these candy bars and I would make a good amount of money and still do school and all that fun stuff. But I got in trouble. The school actually brought me in there and says like, you can't sell candy bars. I'm like, why can't I? Like, why can you guys sell candy bars? Like, I'm not, I'm not paying to be here for God's sake. It's a public school. Like, I feel like it's kind of, you know, even territory and that didn't work out too well. So they, needless to say, they were like, hey, you can't do that. You can't sell candy bars. And I was like, well, not until I see a restraining order, I'm going to stop selling these candy bars. No, I'm just kidding. I did stop because I'm- a- No, I, I think that's, you know, you're pushing the envelope. You're pushing it, but you're not tearing it. And I think that that is what gingers do. I think that's what people do. And that's what I think when we're young, we have the opportunity to do. Those doors sort of shut once we grow up, but it's finding those doors and inspired by the doors that have opened in the past that you know, I really think shape people. So here's a pop question for you. Yeah. I'm always interested in the transition from when people are, say, doing things themselves to when the transition happens to when they're teaching others to do it. So was there a moment, was there an inciting incident later on in life where all this stuff is connecting and you're like, wow, like not only is this working for me, understanding that a puppy's going to increase sales, but like now I feel inspired to share this, to get up on the stage, to sort of use what I've learned to share with the world. It, was there like an actual transition or a moment when that flipped? Yeah, there was. I mean, for me, there was like kind of that aha moment. It was probably, and I'm so bad with numbers, probably maybe 12 years ago, maybe a little little over that. It was what I realized is because I, the way that I jumped into like having my own businesses was I would just pretty much, I bootstrap businesses. I eventually was hiring people and get a freelancer a long, long time ago. And I would kind of learn how to like develop these businesses out. And I finally realized like, hey, I'm doing this for myself. And I'm like, this is something where people need it, right? I'm seeing all these people ask these questions and there started to become more profiles out there like Quora and this kind of stuff. And this is a little later, but where you see these people that like, they don't know how to, like they have a business, they've started it, but they really don't know how to market it, right? It's like the chef that opens a restaurant and he really, he's great at food, but he has no idea how to market it or get people in there. And so I realized at that certain point that I was like, wow, I really, I've learned something my 18 hour days at that time you know, I've learned something that I think is extremely valuable. So that was the point where I said, Hey, I'm doing this for myself and I'm that's successful and I love what I'm doing, but I also like the idea of working with other people and helping them grow their business. So that's where consulting went and then consulting obviously jumped into speaking and where we're at today. So it's been an interesting transition for sure. Now, have you always been, I'm assuming that you've always been sort of fine with speaking in front of people and just your tone and diction and speed at which you talk were you ever a shy kid? Was there any ounce of shyness or just have you naturally had the gift of gab? I mean, I, I've always been pretty popular if that's what you're asking, right? <laughs> no, gift of gab is your, your ability to oh. choose the words you use. That's a whole oh. different, whole different podcast. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. No, you know, I, I have been very fortunate. I think I realized at a young age that I, the gift of gab that I was very fortunate to have that. I mean, I remember, and this is a terrible example, but I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody since I think the world needs to know what I did to Mrs. Schwartz in seventh grade. I would go in and write papers and they were like just okay papers because I was an okay writer at that time. And I remember Miss Schwartz that I gave it to her and she was like, you know, Shane, you know, she's a little older lady, very sweet. Hopefully she's still alive. And if she's listening, Miss Schwartz, I, I do love you. And I appreciate you letting me take advantage of you in seventh grade <laughs> when it comes to writing. But, you know, what I did is I went in there and she was like, oh, this is really this. And she was kind of, oh, and I could tell from like the way that she was, she wasn't, she didn't want to give me bad news, you know, but she, she the, the writing really wasn't that good. And so I really kind of like, 
didn't force her, but I was like, are you sure? I was like, I don't know about a C minus. I go, here's the deal. It's like, the reason why I didn't get that done is I had this and I had some other stuff going on and my brother has this and he had a recital. And so I was trying to get back to the house. Needless to say, I got an A minus on the paper at the end of the story. But <laughs> right, but I realized that it was like, I can kind of test people and I can I can evaluate people and, and better understand the psychology of like how they are if I can move them a little bit or if I can get them to help me with this or help them with that. And some people call it mind control, right? Which is fine to have whatever you want to label the term. But it is, I've, I've always been pretty, really quick-witted, which really helped me because like my junior high, my elementary school that I went to, I was one of the only white guys in the school. And so, and I was real skinny, like unhealthy skinny, like 19 grams in total weight or something like that, maybe a little bigger, but I was real skinny. And so I kind of had to get, I had to get myself in a situation where I was, my tongue was the thing that saved me, probably got me into mm. trouble, but also saved me a little bit too, because people would come up and say, oh, this, that, or the other. And I would say some stuff like that. That time it was like your mama jokes or something, right? right? So I would say something and people were, whoa, that kid, and nobody really wanted to mess with me. Physically, they would probably beat me up, but mentally, you know, like from the tongue perspective, they didn't want to get into a tongue lashing because if it became a situation where kids were listening and watching, I usually didn't get second place. And so that was, I realized early that I kind of had a gift there. And the speaking thing has been a natural transition into that. My only issue when it comes to speaking is that I, that I speak fast. Like people are like, God, how much coffee do you drink? I'm like, well, I just speak fast. And it's, there's two ways to look at it. It's either I speak too fast or they listen too slow. Right. I mean, there, there's two sides of the coin here. So for me, it's if I slowed down my cadence and talked a little slower, I don't know, maybe it would work for me better. I don't know. I mean, that's something I got to look into. But talking fast is just kind of my MO. It's like what I do. Yeah. And just listening, one thing just from an outside perspective, it is the speed, but it's also kind of fun because you almost have a bit of a dialogue going on with yourself where you'll say something and you'll kind of comment on it kind of from the outside and then you jump back into it. So it's actually entertaining because it's not just a single voice. You have like a few different things that are going on, which is kind of fun. Yeah, it is. Well, the thing is, is it, and it's, it's been that way for years. The thing is, is the medicine was supposed to help like the medication I take, you know, cause it's like, <laughs> we're like, Hey, kill, don't kill. And I was, yeah, but I don't want to hurt anybody. He's like, but I want to hurt somebody. So yeah, it, it is one of those things. You just that, did it again. You just, I know. you just, <laughs> and I don't even know. It's, it's kind of like, like partly Tourette's or something. I don't know what it fully, you know, what we can like better understand what it is. But I guess I do have a little bit of a conversation with myself on occasion, huh? Yeah, I like it. And it's, you know, you went back when you're talking about getting a C minus to an A minus and you mentioned mind control. But at the end of the day, like modern day mind control is influence. And one of my favorite two part definitions of influence, and I'd love to get your take on it, is that it, it really has to fulfill the two things for me to understand it as real influence. It's that you have to change the way people think. And you have to get them to take action. So with your teacher, you got her to maybe think differently, but also change the grade. So what do you think about that as modern day mind control as influence? It is. I mean, it definitely plays into influence. I mean, the idea is, is can you put your point out there and you can get somebody to change their mind or do something that you want them to do, right? And so it sounds kind of aggressive, but yeah. influencer marketing is no different, right? I mean, marketing is no different. Like what can you do when it comes to your content and the, the verbiage you're putting out there and how you design things to get people to react? It's the psychology of that, right? Like what do you say to get somebody to react, to be able to purchase something? And that's that's marketing, right? That's what we want to do in, in theory of sales is your goal. And influencer marketing is no different. Um, and I think that's probably why I've, I don't know, I've been doing it for so long, almost seven or eight years now. And that's why I think I really enjoy it because it's real interesting to see how certain people react to certain types of content. And now you have these very 
very specific communities where you can tap into and pitch your products, obviously being ethical and authentic and all the other fun words that we use. But I think it's just real interesting that that you can, I, like I said, I enjoy now less the money and more about like getting people to do something, like getting the reaction of that to me is like, really intriguing to me. Like, I don't necessarily look at my numbers of what I'm making all the time. I look at like, wow, that was awesome. I was able to get 30 people, 50 people, a thousand people to purchase something because of the campaign that we put together. So for me, it's kind of the chase. I just really enjoy that. Nice. And literally when you were speaking, even though we probably didn't have the same voice, I felt like you were talking about your lemonade stand as you're six years old, getting excited about the small changes in the atmosphere, the environment, what you say, what you're doing in order to influence an upgrade or a double sale. So here's my challenge to use. Next time we're speaking at the same conference, I would love to bring a pop-up lemonade stand and literally just have fun for a few hours selling legitimate lemonade. That sounds like a blast. Now you're just playing with my emotions a little bit. I have to grab a <laughs> tissue. Like, I, hey, we can do that. But I mean, I take the Pepsi or the, the lemonade challenge anytime you want. I mean, I, I would I love to sell lemonade and I got really good at it. I, I can bring some puppies and stuff. I think you can go to like rentapuppy.com or something like that. Or maybe even a baby. <laughs> a baby would be kind of cool. Because then people are like, just trying to feed my baby. And uh, I don't know. We'll figure out the angles, but I think it'll be fun for sure. I love it. Well, I definitely think anybody listening to this has a pretty good idea of who you are, what you're about, your history. And that's exactly what storytelling, like what the result is. So I want to transition into some of these, I'm going to call them lemonade stand lessons Mm -hmm. when it comes to speaking. And this is like the art of speaking, the way that you speak, the secret little tips and tricks that you've learned over the years. If you were going to do some lemonade lesson training for whether it's an upcoming speaker all the way to somebody who's a total pro making tons of money but has a learning mindset, where would you start and what type of lemonade lessons can you share? Yeah, I think in regards to lemonade lessons, which I should probably trademark after this show, but um, hashtag hat all day. Um, I think the thing is, is for me, it's it, and this is going to seem, I you know, really for me, it's engaging the audience. Like, I, I, what I've learned in influencer marketing and the way that I go about it, I want it to be entertaining. We just did, this was just last week, we did a, a workshop in San Francisco where we brought, you know, Amazon, brought some really big brands, about 30 people. It was a, we sold out the workshop. But the idea of the workshop was, you know, A, influencer marketing, but B, I want it to be entertaining. Like I want people to enjoy themselves. Like I was confident that the content was good because of what we've created and the, the companies we were working with. But really, I wanted them to have a good time because I've, you know, I've been to a thousand conferences, and when you have people up there that just that aren't entertaining and or at least keeping your attention, that becomes difficult. I mean, I I cut my teeth and you know I'm an instructor over at UCLA, and you know that was a big thing for me was trying to keep millennials and trying to keep people off their laptops and listening to what I have to say and trying to keep that audience engaged. When you're at a conference, you're there for half an hour, forty five minutes, hour, whatever that is doing a speech, it's a little easier to keep people engaged when you're at UCLA and I've got a three-hour class and they have to see me and hear me every week. It's a different deal. So I try to keep it engaging. I try to, you know, obviously keep it interactive. I, you know, get the, the audience involved. I'll put something in the beginning that will shock somebody, you know, something that will be like, hey, did you know this? Or have some crazy music or I'll come out dancing or maybe without my shirt on. I'm just kidding. That's a, it's a, it's a whole different show. It's a whole different show. <laughs> it's a whole different stage right there. Yes. It really is. It's probably not something you want to see either. We dim the lights. It just, 
It's more of a body language kind of. You let your movements speak for themselves. It's more my hips, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a gyration type thing. But for me, it's, like I said, I think it's getting the audience involved instantly and getting them intrigued about what you're going to be talking about and keeping them on their toes a little bit. And so I think for me that's- I'm going to sort of stop you there for a second because I think I'm sold on the fact that you want to get them interested, to get them excited. Aside from running out with your shirt off and doing a, a hip gyrating dance, which is awesome in its own Mm. for the professional environment, whether it's a conference, maybe outside the classroom, what are a couple specific examples or things that people can actually test or try out? You said like an intro song, is it that you're coming in like a a WWF wrestler? Like what are some of the things you can take off your shelf and put onto somebody else's for them to try? Yeah. For me, I think the, you know, the music that you come out to, I mean, you see this a lot of the times with boxers and stuff, but for me, the eye of the tiger, I mean, I play some stuff and kind of come out and have some fun with it. Cause I think it gets people's attention. Or if you play, you know, I don't know, a Tiffany song or something that people like, you think about your audience, right. And think about what their, maybe their favorite song is. And you come out. I mean, for me, that's like, that's kind of how you're starting things off. And then I have some kind of a, a statement that talks about something that's a, a crazy fact when it comes to either, let's say influencer marketing or SEO or whatever I'm talking about, like, did you know type stuff? The idea of it is, is to get people thinking and get them engaged. And so that's usually what I do is in the beginning, I'll do something to once again, to engage them, keep them engaged and then, you know, ask some questions and then, you know, keep them going. From a technical standpoint, because I know that it's not always tip of the tongue when uh, an event organizer is getting you prepared. They're not always like, all right, so what would you like your fight song to be? How do you bring that up in the conversation? Is that part of your negotiations? Like, I'm cool, got my fees, but I still need to come out to Eye of the Tiger. We need that in the contract. Like, how does that play out? How do you convince them if maybe nobody else is doing that? Yeah. My thing is it is actually in my contract and I've, I have had a little bit of pushback, but I'm like, listen, this is a thing is like, if you want me to get people's attention, you're obviously bringing me there to entertain and educate. Like this is part of it. Like it really shouldn't be that much. Like I'll, I can bring the CD or the cassette tape, like whatever you guys need, if that helps out, you know, from an AV standpoint. But I mean, usually I don't get tons of kickback or pushback in, unless I don't bring it up with them. And so it is something in my contract, like, Hey, these are the, the three songs that Shane would be able to, you know, would come out to, are you guys okay? with it. And they can usually pick one as well. I just want people to go like when I hear a song, like a song I haven't heard for a long time, I go, oh, that's an, oh man, I remember that song. Yeah. Or it kind of brings out some kind of emotion. I mean, the idea is I want them to know that I'm coming out to perform right. and that you guys, there's going to be a show that's coming on. Right. And then I'm going to, I mean, every boxer says, Hey, I'm going to beat this guy up and I'm going to do this for me. It's I'm going to come out. I'm going to entertain you. I'm going to show you, I'm going to educate you. And this is kind of what it is. It's kind of setting the table. Nice. I am now, I see, I I don't necessarily go and say, I want this intro song, but from now on, I definitely am going to do that as an ask. I mean, never ask, never get. So I dig it. I mean, I think like beaches or something like that would be a good one for you. I'm just trying to think of like, you know, you kind of start off a little emotional. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a musician by any means, but I'm just trying to help. Yeah, no, I appreciate that help. What about your preparation? I'm always interested in, in how people create what they speak about. Do you have any magical ways to create your keynotes or are you uh, make it up as you go? I've talked with some people, they're literally like, no, I have no preparation. I just know my stuff. I show up and I just crush it. Like, what is your strategy when it comes to prep for organizing and getting your talks going? Yeah. So, I mean, I think for each one, it's a little different because I do, it just depends on, I mean, if I'm talking about a subject I've talked about a thousand times, like influencer marketing or something, my prep is usually pretty easy because I've already done it a thousand times. Right. So that's not too difficult. If it's a new speech, I do. I mean, for me, obviously you want to practice it and I go through the whole regimen of, you know, practicing and actually on a stage, I have a, a stage here in Sacramento. They let me use every once in a while that I'll go out 
and actually talk on the stage and kind of actually act like I'm there. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It's, it was difficult to do. I I was part of, um, oh my God, I'm just trying to think of this. There's a local speaking club that I joined just to kind of get to get in front of my peers and once again, try to, you know, talk about my cadence and how I engage the audience and really kind of improve that kind of thing. Because I always feel like, you know, speaking is something that can constantly be improved, right? I always feel like there's, you know, there's ways that you hold things, the way that you pause, the way that you do things, I think that can become intriguing to keep the audience's attention. But yeah, for me, prep is usually right before I go do a speech, I, I'm actually kind of usually by myself, which is kind of interesting. I don't really talk with a lot of people. I'm kind of getting ready and kind of getting most of the time, it's funny, like my intro is not the same each time. I customize my intro to the audience and to where I'm at. Like I did a keynote in Sri Lanka and I, and this is a crazy story. They took me on a seven day tour before I went up to do the keynote. And so I was with 52 influencers and we traveled Sri Lanka for free. Absolutely amazing. I went to the best hotels, private little planes. I mean, it was a phenomenal experience. And so I went up and they, when I got there, they're like, Hey, we just need you to, to be a speaker. And then by the end of it, they're like, Hey, we want you to keynote. Are you okay with that? And I thought, Oh, that was an interesting way to, to not have me pay as much. But anyways, it, it all worked out in the end. And so I go up. And so the first thing I said was like, Hey, you know what I, you guys, and cause they showed this video of that actually had me up there and I had a whole bunch of influencers and people up there, but I actually had an interview of me saying, Hey, here I am in XYZ jungle. And this is awesome. This is, thank you so much for the experience. I just didn't know there were so many birds in this area, blah, blah, blah. This little speech thing. And I didn't know I was going to be up. I didn't know I was going to be in the video. Like they, that footage was taken seven days before they clipped it in the middle of the night and redid everything and then had it ready for the event for the hotel, the cinnamon hotels that put this on. Well, I go up on stage and I wanted to catch everybody's attention because I knew that it was, you know, international crowd and here I am, big red ginger beard. And so I go up there and I said, hey, as much as you guys just saw that video and, you know, I, I did have a really good time. And just, so you know, the, the gentleman who hired me was actually in front and he went on the tour with us. So he kind of knew my personality. And he says, you know, I, I have to be honest with you guys. I said, you know, even though I had a great time, I said there was three things that, that were kind of difficult for me on the tour. And I looked down at him and he looks up at me. He's like, okay, Shane, what are you doing? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what do you, what do you mean? What didn't you like about this? I'm in front of 300 people in the hospitality industry. Like this is the largest hotels chain in Sri Lanka. And this was, I came up with this literally a half an hour before I jump on stage. And I said, um, I have three major issues that I kind of wanted to bring up and you guys are all in the hospitality industry. So I figured this would be a good time. Right. And now Manju, the CEO of their Sri Lanka airlines, which is like United for the U S just went down. Everybody's on a kind of cloud nine. And here I am with the three issues with the tour. <laughs> and I said, you know, the first thing is, is that we have this thing that we call tech envy. And so you put me out there with all these guys that have this great equipment. And here I am. I'm like, I obviously can't steal it from them because that's just not right. But now I've got to go back and spend $10,000 on equipment. And if I spend $10,000, my wife's going to spend $10,000. So really this free tour that you guys took me on just cost me $20,000. And everybody starts laughing. Oh, and I said, the other issue is, is they explained to me as being a professor and, and this, that, and the other. I said, you guys didn't explain that I'm a foodie. And the problem is, is when you bring me to Sri Lanka and you bring me to some of the best food in the world, I'm going to eat everything. And so I've eaten everything. And I go, the problem is, is my pants don't fit now. So after seven days, I've gained <laughs> seven pounds and I have an issue with that. And you guys need to warn people ahead of time. So everybody's clapping and laughing. And that was, you know, and then I went into my last thing. The idea of it was, is I figured like, how can I pull these people in? And what I can do is go up in front of a hospitality industry, you know, crowd and tell them, Hey, let me tell you the issues that I had with this free seven day trip. And they're like, what? What do you mean? What is this guy talking about? Like, it was a free trip. Like, he didn't pay for anything. And then I went into that. That's how I pulled the crowd in. So for me, my prep, usually a half an hour before, 
I'm thinking of ideas, but it's strictly in my head. And then I go out there and in the beginning, it was, I, I don't know, that's just for me, that's my prep on how I get things together. And it's usually very customized to the audience and to the people that are there. Nice. And I, I saw you at Entreport. That was the first time I saw you speak. And yeah. and you did, you came out hot. You you definitely made it, um, you know, feel like you were there for us. And I forget what the song was, but definitely um, you have that, that stage presence that gingers usually have. But hmm. my question now is how do you gain that type of energy and stage presence if you're not typically that <laughs> energetic. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to translate authentic energy if maybe you were a little bit shy. Do you have anybody that you've worked with and helped them through that or any pieces of advice for people to tap into their inner ginger? I would, this is the thing, is that tapping into your inner ginger, I mean, would start by just growing a beard and coloring it. I mean, because you just kind of <laughs> need to get in the mindset, right? You can't just like yeah. go in and like, I mean, you know. Method acting. Yeah, you yeah, got to exactly. stand a philosophy right. in that. I mean, are you all in or not, right? I mean, I think right. you're going to do this or you're not. So for me, it's always a, you know, if somebody has like, you know, is not really good with the energy. I'm, for me, it's, I always tell them like, drink coffee and tequila, like together. I mean, probably two or three, <laughs> maybe, I wouldn't say bottles because it all depends on what your levels are. No, I, I mean, for me, it's not to say that if you don't have the energy, you, you're never going to have the energy. For me, it's always been very natural because when I talk about stuff, like it drives my wife nuts. Like when I talk, like she can't even be in the same room because I talk loud. Like where I'm at right now, like it's like I'm like quarantined. Like they, I'm surprised they don't have like things on the wall so they can't hear me. I'm naturally a loud, more energetic type person. Yeah. Coffee or no coffee, I just am. And that's just the way that I am. So I, I don't try to get people if I'm, you know, coaching people, I try to say, listen, I'm not saying you can get to my level, but there are things that you can do when it comes to, you know, if you're excited about something, if you're passionate about what you're talking about, if you're not, then that's something you have to think about, right? Because if you're talking about something that you're not passionate about, that you don't fully believe in, that's going to show in your, in your speaking, right? That you have. And not everybody has to be funny, right? I mean, there's, you can be dramatic, you can be this, there's other ways to, to pull in the audience and get their attention. For me, it's, you know, I mean, I, I give you a great example. When I did, a, I did a speech in India. I came out on the stage and I had a, a dress on, and here I am. I'm six one. I've got you know big red beard, <laughs> puffy hair, and here I am in an Indian dress. And everybody's like, like, what? what okay, what, what just happened? Like, I feel like the Matrix. Something just got shut down. Like, yeah. is this our new ruler? Like, I'm so confused on what's going on right now. And that's what I did. I went out there because I also I thought it was customary. I thought that was important to, to be a yeah, part of the yeah. culture. I mean, I literally, I brought, I mean, there's a whole side note, but I, I bought three dresses out there and I wore them the whole time. It was absolutely awesome. So I, for me, culturally, I think is another thing as, as where that I'm very aware of what the culture is. And I think I was probably the first, you know, Irish, white, red bearded guy that came out on stage in a dress and it caught everybody's attention. And I think first, some people that were like, oh, it kind of taken back. And, that, and then they realized that like, this was a thing for me to just show appreciation for their culture of like, hey, like this is, I don't know, just it helped bring them in and help tie them in when, when, when you're speaking. That's like I said, like from the beginning, that's what's really important is like, how do you get people's attention? And there's different ways of doing that. All right. So I'm going to make up a new word here. I heard you say something about energy and immersion, right? So mm -hmm. this idea of an immersion. I like it. Energy. There's something there. But this idea. So you're emerging yourself into the content that you're passionate about. You're emerging yourself into the culture in which you're speaking. You're emerging yourself into the value that you're providing. And that sort of can be that engine generation. So uh, maybe it's emerge energy. No. Okay. We've got to work on that one. 
Yeah, it's not no, clear that's... enough for a hashtag at this point, but no, but you are very close. Like I was, like, it was kind of cool. Like every time you would say it, my lips would move. Like felt like I was just trying to like, <laughs> like kind of like the Care Bear stare with gingers. I kind of felt yeah. like I was like, maybe if I just move my lips, that'll help Ryan with that hashtag, but we will yeah, figure that would, out. That would be a good gif if we had caught that on camera. So, oh, so let's, no idea. Speaking of, speaking of gif, is it gif or gif? What do you think? God, Jesus. Uh, this, that's the hardest question you've asked me so far. I, know. I say gif. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, potato, potato. All right. So here's how we're going to transition. I'm, I'm not challenging on it, but we're going to add a T to your pronunciation. We're going to go with a gift of your insights on how to get on the stage more. That is where we're going right now. Gift or gift, it doesn't matter. We want your gifts. How do you find yourself getting more stage time? What are the tips and tricks that you have delivered as a gift? Yeah, gift. So this is, I mean, this is, there's some basic stuff of networking, right? I mean, when you go to events, I mean, how did you and I meet on stage, right? Yeah. And then, right. Well, I mean, not, not the first time we met. I mean, I'm talking about this. Let's, we don't want to tell everybody that story. (laughs) Yes. Uh, On, like at Entrepreneur, I think you're walking by and I like went up, I was like, Hey dude, uh, I really enjoyed your talk and we're ginger. So we should connect. And then you're like, yeah. Yeah. And then we uh, had a good chat at the fireplace afterwards and We've been buddies since. So yeah, just yeah. the act of reaching out and connecting with people is... its And that's what's awesome about it is it really, it doesn't get any better than that, right? And we've talked about that. Obviously, you have the Slack channel that I don't know if we're supposed to talk about that yet because not everybody's <laughs> invited. It's kind of a private deal. But, you know, it's the networking. You know, it's like it doesn't... Why would you not... I mean, you have an opportunity, A, to find potential clients and go up there and speak and, you know, show that you have a... Uh, that you're a thought leader and you have knowledge... But talking to the other speakers, I mean, you and I, just as an example, we were just talking about this. Like there was an event I was going to go speak at in Turkey. And then you guys said, hey, listen, there's this other one over here. And I think it was MDMC in the Midwest. You guys pitched it. And I said, hey, I think that I actually can make that. So I'm making that. But it's making it so I can't make Turkey, which is a whole nother deal. And guess who's probably going to be going to Turkey? Maybe you? me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is that synergy between. But I have a question. Before we dive into that, we say it's easy to connect. And that's because we're we're gregarious mm-hmm. and we have no problem mm-hmm. getting out there and, and sort of stopping people as they're walking by. But one of the things I want to get your ear on is like, how do we convince people that we're all equals? And I think it's challenging when you have this keynote speaker and you're like maybe intimidated by them because they are such at that high level and they have everybody coming after them. I was just a social media marketing world and I wanted to connect with Mari Smith and she was like the big keynote and everybody was like, I was like, no, I hit her up on Twitter. I DM'd her. She sent me back her cell phone. We texted each other until we connected and I had just a great conversation with her. She'll be on the show soon. And it's like, how do you get people over that initial outreach? Like, do you think speakers are really open to people coming up and connecting with them? Like, I I think that there's a, a gap there that we can help people cross. Yeah. So for me, like I am, I've shocked people in the sense of like, of somebody will send me an email, I'll send them an email back and they go, I didn't think you would have responded. Or when they come up for me, I'm a, I, I like want to engage audience. I want the audience to come shake my hand. I want to talk to people, but I, I'm that type, right? I, I enjoy that kind of like interaction. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy hearing people, the good things and the bad things and how I can help them. For me, the problem is, is like you and I are the same. Like I would, I have no problem with reaching out tomorrow and saying, hey, like we should chat, we should do this, right? I mean, that's the value of these conferences. The value of, of doing that is most of the time the speakers or the people that are there, I, w- I would hope, will say, hey, yeah, we should meet. Hey, let's have coffee. That's kind of the point of being there, right? Yeah. Is that networking and you should do that. Not enough people do. I mean, I I was, I'll never forget, I was speaking, this was um, 
one of the influencer marketing like days or something like that. And they actually had an app that you could go on and you download the app and you can contact people ahead of time and do this and do that and kind of chat with people. I thought that was awesome. And I was taking full advantage of it. I'm talking to speakers. I'm talking to these people. There's these forums. I mean, I'm literally like probably 80% of the comments. Like I'm like, Hey, what's going on guys? Hey, what are you guys doing here? And we see this and got marketers here and sales here and sales. This is one thing I've seen. And people were like, Oh my God, like people probably thought I was putting on the event. Like for me, I'm like, why am I not take, well, you know, why would you not take advantage of that time to network? Like this is before the event. Like I had, I had booked out, like, I don't know how many people with lunches and drinks and beers and stuff like that. Like I probably, I probably seven or eight of them in one day conference before I even went to the conference. Like take advantage of that. Cause you, I think you'll be really shocked that if you reach out to somebody or genuine and saying, Hey, I just wanted to connect. And I was wondering if maybe we can do a coffee. Hopefully a good percentage of them would say yes. Just if somebody reaches out to me, I always say yes. Yeah. And if they say no, who cares, right? Like it's, yeah. it's kind of a numbers game too, but I generally feel that if you're at a conference, you want to maximize it. And I think that even as attendees who want to become speakers or other speakers on stage, that's where I've gotten my best connections with other speakers is at these speaking events. Doesn't get any better. Like that's literally, I mean, that's, you know, you have this network of people that would say, oh, Ryan's a great speaker. I've seen him speak and now they can recommend you. I mean, that's, that's how we met, right? I mean, that's like, yeah, we would not have this ginger connection. And I mean, a strong ginger connection. I'm not just saying that because this is because people are listening. I mean, it's, it's, this is, it's like, that's how we met. And, and that's, what's interesting to me is that networking people just, they skip out on a lot of, they go to the conferences and it's just kind of like, okay, I got to go do this. I'll kind of learn a few things like take advantage. Like you are literally there either a taking time off or you're there for, you know, because your employer told you to be there like network. Like if you're looking, you hate your job and you're going to one of those, guess what? You should be networking to go find a new job. Like there's always something like shake hands, kiss babies, hand out business cards, do your thing, but stay in the mix, whether it's speaking or anything like that. Like, why would you not take advantage of that? I just, it drives me like I used to do trade shows back in the day. And I remember for my own companies and, and this was many moons ago, this is when I had a, a bar and a product and patents and blah, 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 a long time ago. But it would be crazy when I would go to these events and I'm paying $10,000 for this booth in Vegas. And I'd look at everybody around me and they're like sitting down on their phones and looking around, not doing anything. And I'm like, why are you not taking advantage of this moment? Like, this is the moment you know, maybe it wasn't their company, they didn't care. But for me, it's like, this is a golden opportunity. These are people that are intrigued about your product. They're intrigued about you. Like if I come off that stage, you're never going to see me run to the back and not come out. Like I want to talk with people. I want to chat with people because I enjoy that engagement. And that's my time. That's my time to go and interact with everybody. And I want them to feel like they can interact with me. I get this a lot with the speaking things are like, where are you going to speak? And is there any way that maybe at the end you can talk to media? I know it's, is that going to be okay? And I'm like, you know what? I'll talk to the media for the next week. Like you tell me, we can sit down as long as you have water and put a little food underneath the door. I will keep talking, bring Forbes and bring anybody in. I don't care if it's a local newspaper and they have seven people that subscribe to it. Like I will talk to anybody. I have no problems with it for me. I'm Cause you never know who's listening. You never know who's in that audience. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I look at it like, once again, I'll be there for a day, two days, whatever you guys need to do. I'm, I'm there to continue this road. Yeah, well, you heard that. This is pretty much an open invitation for people to blow you up in the direct messages, which is great. So go, go. Now, where's the best place for people to find you and get you? Or like, if you had a platform to choose where they would, they would actually reach out and be like, hey, I heard you on this podcast. And Ryan basically said, I could reach out to you. And you said, reach out to me on. 
Yeah. No reply at shanebarker.com. That's the one. <laughs> Check that one out. Send as many emails as you can, folks, because there's going to be only so many that I can receive on that email because it's a very private email address. No, I'll tell you, my email, my direct email is shane, that's S-H-A-N-E, at shanebarker.com. And so that's it. I mean, that's literally my direct email. So I really do. I respond to everybody. I talk to everybody. And, you know, if people have questions about this and whether it's business or influencer marketing or being an instructor, like whatever that is, or speaking. I mean, I I don't have a problem. The way I look at it, like, and we've talked about this, Ryan, is I'm an open book. Like if I can help somebody learn something, whether that be on stage or whatever, I mean, that's my goal. My goal is to give back. And then if you feel like I'm a good fit for your company or for your brand or for a workshop, then great, then reach out to me. But for me, it's all give. It's like, I'll give tenfold. And then guess what? It's going to come back to me 20fold. I know that because I believe in that. And so that's just for me. I just, I feel like I don't ignore anybody. Like I don't, anybody sends me an email. I respond to everybody within, within a year, year and a half. And what I like about this advice is that if you were on the other side of this, uh, of the audience and you are on stage, then be the kind of person that uh, works towards being an open book and, and replying to everybody. And just a quick story is that after we had connected, um, you know, that was the first dot, but you have to have that second dot to create the line. And I got approached by Microsoft for an influencer deal. And I was like, who do I know about influencer deals? And I literally hit you up. I'm like, I know we just kind of met, but like, I need some help. And man, you were on it. You sent a video reply. You hooked me up with the right people and I landed the deal. And I'm like, wow. So it goes further than just speaking, but like it gives you a network to tap into for other things that people aren't experts on. Well, and this is the thing. I know when we talk about that Microsoft deal, I know we're not supposed to talk numbers, but I, even though you got a million dollars, I thought you could have got 2 million. I mean, I don't, I don't want to put that out there for everybody to hear. <laughs> right. But you helped me to come into a spot where like I was comfortable with, because this was my first, uh, you know, technical, legitimate sort of deal with yeah. a massive company. And having that confidence by having you on my team, like really helped me to get that. And that's the kind of thing that just makes a huge difference in my compass course. Now I'm more confident. Now I've got you still as that lifeline. So I love that really what we're talking about, the way to get on more stages, the way to build your speaking business is simply right in front of you. It is the person on the stage at the event that you're at. I love that. Yeah. Connect. I mean, why would you not? I I just, I don't get it why you wouldn't. I mean, to me, it's fathoms me that people go and do their own thing, go back to their hotel room. For me, like I I just can't shake enough hands and kiss enough babies. Like I just, for me, it's like, Hey, now's that time. Like go out and let's have a drink. Let's do this. Like how can I add some value? And I think that's a great example. It means the world to me, but that's a great example of, of things kind of being paid forward. Like for you needing some help with the influencer thing, for me, it's a no brainer. Like I'm, I mean, here yeah. I am, here goes a video. Like I could send you an email, which would take be all these misspellings and all this. Like, why don't I do a video? So I send you a video, you and I jumped on a call and then you close the deal down. Like to me, that's awesome. And then guess what? You guys reach out to me about an event to speak at here. And now we've yeah. started this. Cause I was already, I was already scheduled. So I'm like, Hey, this guy helped me. Do you want this stage? I've already got lined up. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. To me, it's like I said, I don't I mean, if you're a speaker and you're hearing this and you don't want to do it, please don't do it because I will just continue and I will just take all the business. So how about that? <laughs> yeah. Now, now I think if somebody's listening, they're like, well, that sounds too good to be true. Are there any things or ways that people should not approach other people? Is there like something that sticks out of the mind? Like, is there a, a wrong way to approach somebody to connect with them? So for me, when I'm on stage and when I'm gyrating, my hips is not the time to ask for an autograph. (laughs) It's happened a few times. I've almost, almost people have almost gotten injured, but no, I mean, I don't know if there's a right way and a wrong way. I mean, because everybody's a little different. For me, speaking as myself, there is no right or wrong time. If you see me and as long as I'm, if I'm engaged with somebody having a conversation, 
then, you know, please don't come up and interrupt. Now, if I'm giving you the look like, you know, I've been talking to this person for 35 minutes and, you know, uh. then right, you got to come out and give you that wink. Like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, are you safe or you're not safe? Yeah. Like, you know, give like the secret wink and you're like, oh, hey, I want to come interrupt. But for me, there's, it's like, if you see me, like I'm, uh, let's chat. I think maybe other speakers might be a little more standoffish potentially, but once again, I'm an open book. You can come up to me anytime. In fact, I enjoy, uh, I kind of, I, I really enjoy talking to people. So for me, that's that, that get to that, that period of where you can kind of chat with folks. So I can't think of a time what, for me, that's always good, but for other yeah. speakers, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's, I mean, I hate to say that, like go run up to any speaker at any time, but for me, it's, it's all good. <laughs> and if you do do that and it goes wrong, now we have someone to blame. We'll just blame you and forgive you later on. No. And I, I get it. It's like being married. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. I have no problem with that. I, I can be blamed and then we can forget about it later or go to counseling. Yeah. Okay, well, this has been a lot of fun digging deep into just some simple stuff. And my favorite advice is hiding in plain sight. And our relationship, the fact that you are here is an example of how powerful just a simple connection, a simple, hey, hi, how are you doing? And then taking that and when it's your time on stage, you're essentially channeling, emerging yourself into the energy that gets you fired up. And not forgetting to get out on the stage with a theme wrestling song or something that's going to get people going crazy from the beginning. Because if you're boring on stage, if you don't engage them, if people fall asleep while you are talking, then why would they want to connect with you after the fact? So it all kind of full loops in that circle. You come out the gates and you present yourself as approachable and as entertaining. You probably increase your chance of creating those connections. Man, I should that's that's it right there, Ryan. I feel like you that's. That's the whole I, I forty-five should, minutes in about forty-five it. seconds. Ooh, good lord! I was—I don't even know if they listen to the podcast. Just that right there is like <laughs> that's like a mic drop. I feel like we're done. Hey, boom, boom. Well, I don't want to drop my Yeti black on black here because I just realized after two years speaking to it into the wrong end, uh, I'm now actually have a newfound appreciation for it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. You got to be careful talking in the butts of Yetis because it just doesn't. That's so <laughs> odd. Well, hey, Shane, this has been a lot of fun. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how our connection keeps connecting dots and helping to support each other. And anybody that I know that's fearful of reaching out to somebody, I'm just going to send them to you just to reach out as a as a little test pilot, and then they'll gain their confidence and get crazy from there. All day. I mean, we can sit down and have some lemonade or something like that. As long as they have cash, we can get some lemonade and sit down and talk. Yeah, I got no problems with that. <laughs> All right. So my challenge to everyone who is out there listening No matter where you are, the next time you see a coin on the ground, whether it's heads up luck, whether it's got the opposite side, whether it's a quarter, whether it's a change, whether it's a dollar flying by, I want you to think and create a memory trigger right now that when you see change on the ground and when you stop to pick it up, I want you to think of this podcast, think of the lessons learned because there is loose change everywhere and not everybody stops to pick it up. But when you're the person that stops, takes the effort, looks for it, picks it up, puts it in your pocket. Those are the kind of change that will create the change that you need to go from wherever you're at to where you want to go. How's that sound? Just a wordsmith. I don't even know how to handle this right now. Good Lord. I was like, I was like, I was trying to write it down when you were saying it. I was like, Jesus, (laughs) that's just, all right. Forever. I will, I will think of you, Shane, when I see the loose change and I encourage people to tweet about this. If you like this, share it. If you love this, leave a comment. These kind of podcasts, if they're just posted in a forest and no one's there, it doesn't exist. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a great one to share. And how would they share it with you? Uh, Where are you on social? We'll have it in the show notes, but where do you like to get people to, to reach out to you on social? Yeah, you can go. I'm on Twitter to Shane underscore Barker. Uh, Instagram is just Shane Barker. And then LinkedIn is just Shane Barker. And then obviously my website, shanebarker.com. 
You guys go over there and check it out. Get on the newsletter. If you guys are a brand looking for workshops on influencer marketing, don't be shy. Reach out. It really will be fun. I promise you. That's about it, bud. That is it. All right. We are shutting it down. We got more of these episodes. Check out worldspeakers.com. Shane, it's been a pleasure and I'm excited to see where everything goes. All right, buddy. Stay gingerly fantastic. Fantastic.